Hello guys, welcome to the first episode of my podcast. I've been wanting to do this for so long. You have no idea how many recordings I have where I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make podcasts, I'm gonna use this as a podcast. And here I am, giving myself something else to do. Perhaps this is part of my um, issue in life where I am a serial procrastinator, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point. But for now, we're just going to ignore that issue and I'll talk about it with my therapist tomorrow. So episode one is just going to be a little bit of me talking about a little bit of the fucking shit that is life. And... I don't want this at all to be a way where we can just slag off life and how it doesn't go right for us and, you know, oh, everything always goes wrong for me and I'm such a victim, which is not about that at all. It's actually about how life was never meant to be perfect. It wasn't sold to us as perfect. I I feel like it was an assumption. I mean... I don't remember anyone sitting me down and saying, by the way, you're going to live to 100, nobody's going to die, everything's going to be perfect, you're never going to get ill, you're going to live a hunky-dory life, and then you're going to die peacefully in your sleep with unicorns around you. Nobody ever sold me that dream, so to be honest, I don't know why I um, assumed that that was how it was going to be. I will say, though, that in society, we don't talk about death I mean we do talk about shit bits and we all have a moan and we all well we definitely all have a moan and I think um that's something we find quite easy especially being British sorry to all um other British people but I think that you know we live in a cold grey England and we moan about a lot and truthfully it took me a lot in my 20s to get out of being that person I remember doing a course uh, in my early 20s and it was it was an acting course essentially but it was a lot of like life coaching and it was kind of taking a spiritual you know take on things it was called the spiritual psychology of acting actually and I remember the teacher the coach saying to me oh Danny you, you moan a lot and I was like what I mean my ego just was like it went off the roof um but it took me a while and a few sort of sessions with him but I did realize that I was a serial whinger moaned about anything and everything and at the beginning of each session we would meditate or try to I mean goodness especially for me back then I literally just sat there um and breathed because there was no meditative state that I went into but it was useful and it was good and I just remember this one time somebody outside the room kept banging a door and afterwards John asked oh how did you all find that and everyone was like "Mm, zen 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 and I was like what that was not zen did you not hear the door banging and my teacher said to me do you think though Dan that that's because you are having a judgment of that door banging because what really is the problem with the door banging and I was like well it's annoying isn't it and he was like but it's annoying because you're judging it as that you've decided it was annoying trust me it took me probably another six seven years before I got 
what he meant and I could look at it in a different light with a different perspective and look I'm not saying that this podcast is necessarily going to be like spiritual zen um and trying to get you to think completely about life you know in the form of unicorn farts I'm not but I do want to talk about the messy bits of life but the bits in between as well and how we can embrace the messy and how we can share the ups and the downs and how we can completely just be open about how fucking shit life can be but also how bloody joyous it can be as well I mean, I'm sure there's a billion Pinterest quotes that would back me on this, but, you know, you can't have the rainbow without the rain and the sun. I I don't know if that's one, but you get my drift. So, for me, nothing has felt more like this, more, you know, nothing encompasses what I'm trying to say, I suppose, more than thinking about the last year of my life. As I said in my intro early 2019 it was literally a month after me and my husband got married and when I tell you that 2016, 17, 18 were the most insane amazing years of my life I like I mean it like I was content I was happy I was full of joy do not get me wrong of course I had tantrums and of course I had moments where I moaned and cried and got angry I'm not disputing that but if I could think of an essence of how those three years were, I changed up what I was doing with my life. I changed up my health and fitness and I was enjoying my job and I was enjoying finding out about my body and learning about well-being and being content. And I got a really good acting job when I'd given up acting and I it enabled us to buy a flat in London and I was so grateful like I can't explain I I remember sitting there being so content and 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 happy and we got the keys to our new place and my then boyfriend proposed that day and honestly it was a bit like if you were reading a like romantic novel fiction either you'd be putting your fingers down your throat being like eh, 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 this is too sickly sweet or you'd be going oh something bad's about to happen which which it did and now again my therapist is saying oh do you feel like then what happened last year was a punishment for being so happy I don't think that that's my take on it but there's definitely that I have got those niggles in me because like I said if you were reading a novel you'd be like whoa this is all a bit too good to be true and again I don't share it um, to gloat or anything like that but I do want to give you a aspect of, of who I am and what my life is was like has been like because it wasn't always happy it wasn't always completely hunky-dory and even when it was good I didn't always see it as good or amazing because I was this um negative moany whingy person that I remember being asked what I thought you know my teacher at the time was like finish off these sentences life is work is you are and uh, my answers was I am boring life is hard um men mug me off uh, my work is unfair because I wanted to be an actress and I was you know working as 
um, I think a waitress um, in a job that I didn't enjoy and not earning very much money to sort of live the life I wanted to live you know early to mid 20s and I was really resentful of that and I couldn't really find the joy in the moments in between in the moments in between any of the shit bits and then I found this new way of feeling and being and we'll go into that I suppose but I did I I got to this point where I really enjoyed being me and that was what I found very unusual and very strange because honestly guys I'd spent like 15 years hating being me so I got engaged on the day we moved into our new home we then spent you know a couple of years um planning the wedding I did this tour as an actor with an amazingly fun guy and we had this really fun two years of touring and everything was amazing and then I remember a week before I got married I sat down with Jay and I was really overwhelmed and anxious and he was like are you all right and I was like not really I said I've just got this feeling like something bad is going to happen something bad has to happen because life has been so good and nothing bad has ever happened to me I've never lost anyone I've I've never felt heartache or pain you know other than being dumped a couple times and I just feel this sense of dread and Jay was like look it is Jay's my husband by the way he was like look I think that it's just you're so happy and we've got this wedding next week and we are so like excited for it and it's just that general like um foreboding joy Brené Brown talks about when you're you're self-protecting because you're so happy but you want to self-protect in case something bad happens and I was like yeah yeah totally of course and maybe that is all I was doing we got married it was the best day of my life and I did not think I was going to be that person trust me I hadn't been the sort of person that was like planning my wedding from age three I literally thought I was going to be a single parent mum because my mum was a single parent mum and I just assumed that that was kind of the thing you did and I I imagined having this acting career and I was going to buy a flat on my own and I hadn't imagined a life with somebody and I hadn't imagined a family a conventional family Uh, because I didn't grow up with a conventional life or situation so I didn't expect my wedding day to be this amazingly beautiful wonderful bubble of joy but it was and um, I'm not going to um, talk down on that and um, it was what it was it was amazing and a month later my mum I knew my mum was having some tests because she'd had a cough and she'd had three bouts of antibiotics and they hadn't worked and so in January she said look I'm having some tests they just want to see what this is about it's probably because I'm like 55 and they've got to like rule everything out and I was like cool I remember being just so up my own bum with joy that I didn't really think or worry she purposely didn't use the word she didn't say she was having a lungs x-rayed I don't think or maybe she did but um once she'd had those done she didn't say she was having a biopsy because I think she knew that word would would have me um have my ears prick up so uh, on the 4th of February I saw her we went round for my nan's 79th birthday and we were all together and I said to everyone like oh is anyone worried like should we be worried and in hindsight my aunt's face probably said it all but at the time I you know chose not to see it and my mum was like look it is probably just a test by this point 
they'd told her it was sinister and that what they were really seeing was if it was cancer because it was likely to not be anything else and I didn't know this at this point so um two she said she had the results two days later but a day after that and this is awful and I've read since that mum was a bit upset with me because I hadn't remembered about her results and I you know, there's a lot of guilt that I've had and a lot of shame I felt for the fact that I didn't take this seriously. But mum also did write that she'd played it down so much on purpose and was glad that I hadn't taken it seriously because what was the point of worrying me until it was time to actually be worried? So on the 6th of Feb, she messaged to say that they'd postponed her results and that they were going to be on Friday and because she'd be off work should she come and see me and I was like okay yeah sure um I said if they've postponed it then that's really good right and she was like well I don't know like because I was like well if they've postponed it, it's obviously not serious like you're you're fine and she was like mm, I'm a bit worried and I was like why are you worried you haven't been worried this whole couple of weeks you've told me not to worry but now you're worried this is weird and she mentioned that it was um that they'd mentioned the word sinister and I was like but you hadn't mentioned that before and then she she was just weird like me and my mum are best friends like she is my person like if I could tell you about anybody who gets me knows me sees inside me my heart my soul my head understands everything about me and vice versa like she is that person we grew up, I grew up as an only child, I know, make your judgments, um, with a single parent mum. And so we were, <laughs> we were very much, I suppose, like sisters, more so than mother and daughter, which again, my therapist would like to have a field day about because we didn't have boundaries. Um, but it's made me who I am today. And I'm bloody glad that that's the way it was, to be honest, because we had a very enriched friendship and relationship and that still carries through now even though she's passed away and I feel her and it's strong and our bond is so strong so here we are and it's the 6th of Feb and she's being weird on an on whatsapp and I suddenly am like mum tell me what the fuck is going on what the fuck is going on and swear on my life that nothing you don't know anything more than you're saying she was like look let me call you at lunch and I was like no 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 like mum like what is going on talk to me now like I was livid I was so angry because I was like you're keeping something from me and I don't know what it is and I was on a break from work in between in between clients and I remember her saying like right I'm gonna call you at lunch okay it's gonna be okay I'm gonna call you at lunch and I had maybe an hour and a half and I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the place where I hot desk and I'm just going to do some work. And I got there and I couldn't, it got to the hour she hadn't called me. I was like, mum, why aren't you calling? She was like, look, give me a few more minutes. I'll call you. I'm in a meeting. And I was like, I was frantic, frantic because I knew, I knew something was up. And then she said, where are you? And I said, I'm not at home. I'm at Canova Hall. And she said, okay, right. Give me another few minutes. And I was like, what? And she was like, look, I'm down the road. And I knew then when she said that she was there, she was in London, that that shit was about to hit the fan. And I'll be honest with you, I I did not 
for the life of me imagine that she was going to say that she had stage four cancer and that it was terminal. I had no clue. I honestly thought she was going to say, I've got like stage one or stage two breast cancer. I've got to go through a shit ton of treatment. I mean, by the way, all her exams have been on her lungs, right? But I still did not assume it was going to turn into like severe serious lung cancer I and I don't know why because it's not you know breast cancer isn't any less than lung cancer right it's not that that makes it less serious but you hear about people surviving breast cancer more than you do lung cancer and so I suppose I just had put into my head that it was going to be okay it's going to be okay it was going to be serious but it wasn't going to be I just hadn't even fathomed that it was going to be terminal cancer I hadn't fathomed it you know a year before we'd gone to a talk not even a year less than a year we'd gone to a talk by Eckhart Tolle and I just remember him saying very specifically and it was a is a bit we all remembered me my aunt and my mum where some people you know they get given this terminal diagnosis and they're released of all the pain and all the hang-ups that you get in life and that actually they start living so in the moment and that they're all right but I just remember that moment so specifically but thinking that that was never going to be us you just don't think that that's going to be you you don't think you're going to get touched by that shit even though you realize it happens all of the fucking time so she pulled up outside and I got in her car and I was just in tears and I was crying and I was like tell me what's going on and it's a five ten minute drive from where we were to my flat and she was like let's wait till we get to your flat and I was like no no way like you have to tell me now and so she went through a whole rigmarole of the tests and what was going on before she even got to where she was gonna get to and I think because she just didn't know how to tell me she said the first thing she said when she got diagnosed was fuck how am I gonna tell Bob's and I'm Bob's by the way and yeah we sort of just got towards my flat and I just remember so vividly saying that she had lung cancer that was inoperable and incurable and that it had spread that it was in the lymph nodes and they thought the adrenal glands and I said what stage and she said stage three and stage four so like different parts but they had numbers and letters it was like stage three b stage four a or something like that and I, I can't even tell you what was going through my head I can't even fathom because it was just pain and I kind of want to wrap it up around there but that that going through that and then the year that's to follow which I will talk about in other episodes you that was at the time the worst moment of my life But I remember thinking, that isn't it. That's not going to be the worst moment of my life because she's dying. And that, when she dies, is going to be the worst moment of my life. But what I want to say to you is that we were maybe five days short of a year from diagnosis. And 
we had the most wonderful year and it wasn't because we did a shit ton of crazy stuff like we didn't go climb mount kilimanjaro or anything like that we did however go to the northern lights and see the um see the northern lights we went to iceland we did however go to iceland and saw the northern lights and that was magical and amazing but we just had a beautiful year of getting to know each other more getting to ask questions and say the things that you wouldn't necessarily say and I got to look after her and be with her and I stopped work and it was wonderful and what I want to share most really I suppose as the podcast goes on is how my mum dealt with it and how in acceptance she was of this messy part that was her life and how she embraced it and how she had a perspective that was so inspiring you know she was she was she lost a Pinterest quote and she was like look this isn't happening to us this is happening for us like we have got to learn from this and what can we learn and for my mum it was self-compassion and self-kindness and self-love and just accepting who she was is as a person and as energy because she honestly had spent her life not really feeling like she was enough and in this year that was honestly the worst year of my life a month after her diagnosis I was found out I was pregnant and then a month after that we lost the baby you know and you're in those moments and you're like are you kidding me are you fucking kidding me universe but you're in it and you get through it and I'm getting through it I'm in it still I'm living in and with the grief because it doesn't go you don't just get on top of it you you go through it the only way is through and when you're in it you just you have to accept it otherwise you cause yourself a whole load of fucking pain by resenting it by resisting it by saying why me because my mum said why not me like I'm no special or better or worse than anybody else this is life and yeah it is and we can't then just be down on ourselves or wait for the next miserable awful thing to happen because other awful things are going to happen but we just have to be able to see that me and mum got all these special moments moments that some people will never get I got to be with her while she passed away and lie with her and hug her and feel and see her take her last breath which honestly wasn't scary it was the most beautiful thing I have ever witnessed I mean I don't have children so I'm I'm sure that that will be you know life coming into the world and life going out of this world and that's it she's not in this world anymore but I'm a true believer that she's still around the energy doesn't just die and I want to share this messy road of grief that I'm in but not just grief I want to talk about other things how my husband does my fucking nutting but also how wonderful he is and I want to talk about body image and how 
fucked up that is because by the way I'm a well-being coach and that's what I do for a living but I want to talk about diet culture I want to talk about my therapy sessions that I fucking hate because he's inside my head but also what I'm learning from it and you know it's all stemmed from my mum and how she viewed the world before cancer and how she viewed the world after cancer and you know maybe how she's viewing the world now and let me tell you this I've had signs from her I don't know what you believe but I have never seen parakeets in London I know that they exist in London trust me but where we live I've lived here three years and in this area for 10 never seen them pigeons seagulls crows even like yeah all the time magpies and outside the house we have these trees a week after she passed away on our windowsill was a parakeet a bright green parakeet and Jay was like oh my god there's a parrot on our window and I was like what and about two weeks before three weeks before mum passed away we were talking about parakeets because we could hear them in the trees back where I lived where I I grew up and there was parakeet sitting on our windowsill we've never seen one before in London never heard them in London even and every time I have a really low moment so once or twice like well I've had many a low moment obviously the last month but I've she's come she sent sign by the way if you can hear snoring it's my dog <sighs> I apologize yeah she um so the parakeets aren't out there every day but they come in just the right moments and if you follow me on Instagram you'll have seen that I've shared the close-up like what just literally sat on the windowsill for bloody ages and it just for me is a reminder that life is amazing and it is shit it is there is moments is moments there are moments that are horrendous there are and you can go through the worst crap and it can keep coming look I, I you can't guarantee that now all the bad stuff's done for me you can't but in between that there is magic and I want to talk about that magic too so that's my last podcast <laughs> no that's my first podcast done and dusted I'm going to try not to even edit it or anything too much I think there's a few moments that I might need to but I just want this to be a real raw honest authentic conversation because that's what my mum taught me and that is what I hope to share with you guys the rawness of life all right thank you so much for listening if you've enjoyed this episode please can you give me a review I don't even know where you can review this but give me a review share it if you've enjoyed it or if you think you're gonna enjoy it save it follow along any of that malarkey because I would really like to share my mum's message far and wide and just reach as much reach as much reach as many of you as possible and thank you thank you for listening and being there while I share I suppose quite a a scary horrible moment my worst moment one of my worst moments in life thank you and I will see you on the next episode I'm Danny Sabor and it's been a pleasure see you soon